this is coffee number five. I'm your host, Lara Schmoisman. It's all about you and I want you to succeed. Download today my exclusive insider's guide to generating business relationships that last and turns into sales. Hello, welcome back to coffee number five. I'm ready here with my coffee that it's hot and steamy and I'm with re- in really good company today. I not I met her not that long ago, but we clicked and of course she's another Latina in business, but and she's in the beauty business that you know that I'm a super fan of. Something that we were discussing just now, in order to have a business, you need to make money. Otherwise, it's not a business, it's a hobby. So welcome, Emery Perez. Hola, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you here and to share a little bit of you with everyone. So Emily, how did you start? I mean, you have an amazing trajectory in the beauty industry. So why you don't tell us a little bit of your story and how did you get here today? Yeah, so I've been in the beauty industry for over seven years as the leading uh, beauty company um, worldwide. And my experience... That's okay. You can say brands if you want. (laughs) At L'Oreal. Okay. (laughs) Little company, you guys. That's a little one. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And my experience is on the scientific side, managing the compliance of our beauty products, not only, you know, from a regulatory piece, but also how brands are able to communicate um, the efficacy of their products. And recently, I started uh, Latinas in Beauty, which is very near and dear to my heart. And it's a professional networking community for Latinas like ourselves uh-huh. to come together to network um, and elevate one uh, another. And before you guys think about it, Latinas, Latinas were not all the same. I can, I actually have to speak uh English to Emily yes I speak I speak Portuguese I am from Brazil uh originally so while I identify as a Latina my heritage is from Brazil so we speak Portuguese my Spanish Mm -hmm. is so so (laughs) well you're better than my Portuguese that if I only know how to ask how to go to a bathroom Ah. (laughs) which is very useful which is helpful which is helpful if you're visiting Brazil absolutely so what are you doing today, Emily, besides hosting uh, the Latinas in Beauty? So within, so within Latinas in Beauty itself, uh, we are working primarily, our primary goal is to create networking opportunities to mm-hmm. connect Latinas that are killing it, honestly, within the beauty industry, between the founders, uh, as well as poor professionals corporate professionals to come together to uplift one another, uh, as well as mentoring, right? Because what I've seen uh, within the industry is Latinas and women of color in general uh, lack access to mentorships, really coming together to connect the two. So um, individuals that are just starting out can learn a little bit quicker, right? Because I think what we see in the beauty industry is there's a lot of information and oftentimes it can be gatekept Right. So to be able to have mm-hmm. access to that information so individuals can start their, their businesses and be profitable, like you mentioned, um, immediately uh, yeah. and with that focus to sustainable growth. Yeah. And 
not only that, it's for me, it's about getting experiences from others because in the last few years, uh, there's been a, like a boom in the beauty industry. I, it became like even too easy to release a product. Right. <laughs> there is a lot of information, but I think what a lot of um, founders share with me is that there's so much they want to also be able to funnel in to know, mm -hmm. to get the information that they need, whether, you know, it's for their particular product type, um, but also, you know, marketing, digital, e-commerce, retail, you know, when and where yeah, to and get funding. I, I, There's just a I, lot I of information. Be, I, I always like to give a little piece of information of the backstage. People don't know a lot of things about the backstage of the beauty industry. Like, for example, everyone wants to go retailer, retail, okay. retail, retail. Okay. But they don't know that when you are in retail, you only you have commitments, marketing commitments with them. Right. You have uh, another uh, commitments that is educating their professionals that they work at the stores. And there is like uh, like some stones on the way in every aspect that if you go marketplaces or Amazon or Etsy, all of those, you also need to deal with all the other side of the business. If you do DTC, you also need to go those. I mean, one of the best advices I can give you if you have uh, is just have a team, have an, um, an accountant, have a bookkeeper, because when you start selling here, they are taxes come from, uh, there's so many companies that they are not taking all these expenses in consideration. And I agree. I agree with you, Lara. And I think one of the things that founders always say is deciding when to let go, right? I think in the beginning stages that it's your baby, you're making all of the decisions and you're learning as you go majority of the time. Um, mm -hmm. And to then be able to find the perfect time to not only take on a new em uh, employee, but then also to to <laughs> to be able to give the responsibility to somebody else. I think oftentimes people struggle with that. Yeah, and I mean, what are the struggles that you see in founding members or emerging brands? I think for me, it depends on which stage they're in, right? I think oftentimes for the individuals that are just starting out, it really is funneling in and doing the pre-work uh -huh. before they launch, right? Like like you mentioned, making the decision of the retailer that you're going to, like what's your route of distribution? What's your marketing going to look like? Your packaging, like, but oftentimes it's like they, they go too well, fast I see, before I, I, they make those decisions. I've seen that that they do the packaging, they do their formulation, but then they don't know, they don't have the strategy of what route they want to do. And it's okay to go all of the routes. It's okay to go marketplaces, retailers, DTC, it's okay. But everything takes work and money. Right. And, and I think one of the, the, the feedbacks that I received or insights that I receive is from Sandra from Novaleta. And she, you yes. know, she reminds founders, like, what is your North star, right? Like, what is your end goal? Like, make sure it's clear to you as a founder, what that looks like. So every action that you're taking on a daily basis, it's towards that North star and towards that goal um, for your business. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but also, yeah. Uh, Sandra is brilliant, by the way, and she's uh, doing an am amazing career with her products and she's so uh, 
she's just so true her, to herself. Oh, and I, 100%. I, I, yeah. I, and I love that about her. But at the same time, is I, I don't know her complete story, but getting funding is hard. And a lot of people that they are new to this industry, they are going in with the hopes of raising capital. Right. Do you see really as a possibility for someone who has no background in the beauty industry, they just investing whatever funds they have in creating their own line? I just want to, people to be transparent and to understand where they're really standing before they create their own brand. You know, being transparently, I think it's extremely difficult, right? I think when you look at the data, I think 0.4% of Latinas receive funding, you know? So mm -hmm. it's it's difficult and Sandra has it, proven, it, you know... It's, it's difficult because you're Latina or it's difficult because you are new in the industry? I think it's probably a combination because I think a lot of the the way that the industry works, especially venture capital funding, is who you know and getting in front of those individuals. And if you're mm -hmm. Latina without the network, right, or a woman of color without the network, you don't know, you know, where to go or how to create a deck or how to approach those conversations. But one of the things that I hear a lot about uh, from VCs is that they focus primarily uh, on the founder's story, right? They yeah. get a connected, create that connection with the founders, what their story is and how passionate they are about the brand. And that's who they want to invest in. So I think that's something that, you know, if, if you're interested in starting your own business and you're looking for that, to go that route is to be able to put yourself and your story and the reason um, that you started this company at the forefront, because more and more, I think for uh, indie brands, that's important. It, it is super important. It is super important as, I mean, from my side, what I can tell you is that you need to have a cohesive strategy and marketing strategy from the get-go, because since you since you create your packaging, your line, you need to have a, a cohesive story that that's going to be selling your product. So you need to make sure that your target audience will identify with the package. Right. Yeah. Is the, is the packaging is also where do you want that packaging to sit? Right. Like you, yeah. you've mentioned, like, is it Lux? Is it is it a consumer product goods? Right. Is it at, at Walmart? Right. If you think about like Luna Magic, if you speak to them, they're like they were very clear that of who their consumer base was. And they're like, we want to be in Walmart because that's who our consumer is. So like they were very specific. And, and again, there's no wrong, right and wrongs in what right. I mean, you can make more money being on Walmart than being on Nordstrom. It's about getting to the right place for your target audience. Exactly. And very, very clear about that, right? Yeah. So then you can then you can generate um digital advertising, your Instagram, all of that. Yeah, but be prepared. Whatever you do in your brand, you're gonna have to spend money. It's not gonna come for free. Influencers Always. are not gonna go come for free. The ads are not—they're not for free. And a lot of time, I know a lot of you guys are trying to do it, do it yourself. And doing it yourself, you're gonna lower your cost a lot in many things. But also, your mistakes are gonna cost you money. Laura, I have a question for you because I think we see that from our, our founders that are in the community is a lot of them are bootstrapped, right? Uh -huh. So if they're if they're thinking about growing through through digital media and influencers, like what do you recommend given like, you know, if they have a small pocket of money that they have extra to spend, 
Like what's that, the best? That's funny that you talk. You're telling me this. Actually, I'm giving an um on January 19. I think this is gonna be. After that, uh, a workshop about this for IBA, Independent Media Association, and I believe my belief is that everyone deserves marketing, small companies, big companies, but you need to create a sustainable strategy, which means that if you have $10 to spend, you need to have those 10, a strategy for those $10, not to have a strategy for $1,000 thinking that things are going to change over time for, with those $10, and then you're going to be able to pivot. You need to be realistic. That's great advice. I, I, I just, I, I see it a lot. I see it, marketing is not magic and you're not going to, even if you see all these influencers, influencer marketing is great, but what I see is influencer marketing is great for a brand awareness, not necessarily to create immediate advice. Right. Let me ask you a question. I want to go back to your uh, expertise in regulations for the products, because you've been working at L'Oreal, like we mentioned before, but you also were bringing in new companies and analyzing their products that they've been. So yeah, so currently my, my role is I support the compliance review for any potential new acquisitions. And then I work okay. within the organization to integrate those products within the L'Oreal portfolio. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Uh, so what are the, something, because everyone that has that hope that one day is gonna be purchased also by L'Oreal or with, by any other big company, what are the regulations that we need to be aware of? What the, what a small brand need to know that if that's what they want or their hopes, they need to start from the beginning in order to do it right. Yeah, I think for them, you know, the FDA really does have a lot of resources for small businesses. Um, so definitely be on their website looking to see what the Cosmetic Labeling Act looks like. You know, FTC, the Federal Trade Commission also has marketing material on how to market your products legally with uh, within the beauty industry. So I think those are really great resources and something that you have to be extremely mindful of when you start creating your efficacy uh, communication around around your products, just to be aware that you are not stepping outside of the cosmetic um, scope uh, of your products because you don't want to have an issue down the line if you are at the table, you know, great, amazing. That Can you give out. me an example of a, a failure in marketing? I think for me is always trying to chase the the SEO buzzword, right? And I and I think you know if you're I, I think one of the easy examples is you know if you're selling a product that is within the cosmetic realm and you're making an acne claim that your product is efficacious around acne, I think it's in the U.S. acne are OTC drug products, right? So I think that one to be able to stay within if you're communicating on acne to make sure that either your product is OTC or that you're just revising your claim not to get within. Um, yeah, that, that's something yeah. I see a lot that yeah. when the claims that you make in your product is any, you need to be careful about those things. So how, I mean, I, I understand that there are a lot of products that they are developed to help or prevent or, uh, but there are other words that you can use. You cannot use the word acne. So you really- exactly. You really need to be very careful of the wording that they use. And what you I need to be do, creative. <laughs> yeah. But 
yeah, that's what it was. It's a smart way, <laughs> but I mean, you get great resources or talk to someone who been there because you're setting yourself for failure. And I seen, I see this from the other side, of course, from marketing, but I see that when people, for example, they create beautiful websites, but perf- they don't perform or they don't have SEO. Right. So it doesn't work that way. If you want to have a marketing strategy, you need to think about performance. You need to think about SEO. You need to think about what you are transmitting to uh, the buyer. Because if you're giving the wrong message or you're claiming something, it's going to come bite you. In your yeah, case. and I think more retailers are also holding, you know, their their partners accountable for what they're saying and what yes. evidence they have or what support they have uh, available for the products. Let's talk for a second about clean beauty. How important is really clean beauty? Is uh, the packaging that is sustainable? I mean, I think sustainable is something that, you know, globally and for the environment is something that we need to be very cautious about. I think mm-hmm. clean beauty, at least in the U.S., as there's no def- def- defined regulatory definition for it. It becomes a little bit difficult. And what we've seen, you know, each company has their own definition. Uh, and even more so, we're seeing more retailers with their own definition. So I think for me, as long as you're clear and direct to your consumer on what it means to you and you uphold those standards. But would you be more attractive to purchase a company or to recommend that a company, to acquire a company that have those, uh, that is ready, they claim to be clean or they have a packaging that is more sustainable than the other? I think the the business team, you know, they make those they make those decisions, so I'm not involved in that. But I think if you just listen to the industry itself and where that's going, I think clean has turned into a buzzword. Yep. That it's kind of like a check the box approach. And, and, it's, and it's, it, a, it's a nice to have, but I don't it, think it's a must have. It's nice, but at the same time, now we can go both ways with everything exactly. that is happening. I think because... it's you know, it's kind of like greenwashing, right? I think that's that has happened within within that yes. word. It's like what does it mean? I think consumers are very they have evolved and are a little, uh, they're more educated on ingredients, on the products that they're putting in their skin. So they're aware of the ingredients. And, you know, if you're claiming clean, you know, they want to make sure that you're holding your end yeah. of the bargain, but they also understand that there are efficacious, safe, ingredient, you know, um, man-made type of like ingredients as well doesn't necessarily mean it's bad for you and I think that that's important as well well also because you want ingredients and it will work when you get in a cosmetic product you want something that will really and you they're expensive many times so you want a product that will work for what you purchase for and I think the customer is getting smarter they are looking more into the ingredients and they're because before, many years ago, we would have gone blindly and just accept a recommendation from anyone or some a package that it looks pretty. And something that I learned as I started to need more and more creams and more right. cosmetic uh, treatments is that I, um, not everything will work for me. And that I need to know, besides that they might have the most gorgeous package, what are the ingredients that will work for my issues? Yeah, I think, you know, if you think about even maybe like 10 years ago, you know, I think consumers 
went to the shelf, they went to the stores, they looked at the shelves, they look at the packaging and they they decided at that point, you know, what product would be best for them. I think in today's world, people are looking up online before they even go to the store, right? Yeah, and or, they're seeing or, they, or they buy online, so they can't yeah, That's something exactly. I will so do. So they're seeing more of like what you're, you're putting on your website or what people are, are writing about the particular ingredients or your or reviews on your particular products mm -hmm. before they even decide to buy. So I think even that decision um, factor has changed. So Yeah, well, the reviews is, is tough. It's really tough. <laughs> Because a lot I agree of with people, you. Yeah. yes, a lot of people. So going back to our um, new brands, our new Latinas brands, what's the best advice that you can give someone who's starting? It's called it Latina, woman in colors, uh, any minority who's starting a brand and with the really bootstrap. And what would you recommend them? Because you I work mean, with so many individuals in right now and that you see them struggling yeah i think for me you know in addition to defining what it means to you it, it really is important for you to find a community that contains founders at different stages of their brand and as you evolve you connect with individuals that are at the stage that you want to be at right and really search for a mentor, a, a business founder that you see there is doing something very similar to what you want to do. Research what they have already put out into the internet, right? Because a lot of them have their own podcast. They're in, they're in attending other podcasts. They're sharing information. So see what they've already put out there. Reach out to them and ask, you know, for a thirty-minute slot where you just where you want to ask questions. Um, that it pertains to your particular brand. And you'll be surprised the amount of individuals that will find time to meet Absolutely. with you. Because what, I, because what has been the most fruitful thing for me um, being the founder of Latinas in Beauty is how generous founders I, 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 are with their time and their resources. Say. Yeah, I found in this community, in the beauty industry, people being super generous. Or with information. I, I think they understand and they what took for them to get where they are, right? Because this is a struggle oftentimes, yeah. it's very challenging. So they understand what they went through and they want to help their community. And there's this this shift in that it's collaboration over competition that really has been driving a lot of our, our conversation. It's like, how can I help you succeed? There's room for all of us, right? And I yes. think that has that has changed over time, I think in general around the, the industry, but really seeing Latina and women of color wanting others to succeed and providing resources, their time, their leadership to help you get there has been something that I've seen and something I would recommend new founders to. Uh, to absolutely, but you need to also go and thinking with your head straight that every brand is unique. And every moment is different. So even if you get a mentor who hit the uh, the winning ticket, it doesn't mean that that's necessarily going to happen to you. You oh, need to course. build your own yeah, story. So right. you might learn this. Actually, I, I say that many times you can learn more from people who tried it many times and fail. And from those failures that one person who just was lacking hit it. Right. Um, but. Okay, Emily, so how people can 
know more about you and Latinas in Beauty, how they can become part of this amazing community? Oh, thank you. Well, we're at latinasinbeauty.com. So uh, on our website, we have links to all of our social uh, opportunities. So we're on Instagram, uh, latinasinbeautyofficial.com, uh, as well as LinkedIn. And we're kicking off a new splash um, page. So that was going to be exciting to be able to connect everyone. Oh, perfect. Okay, Emily, thank you so much for being here, having coffee with me today. I really, I always enjoy our conversations. Oh, it was such an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for having me. First, and to you guys, I'll see you next week with more coffee number five. Find everything you need at larashmoisman.com or in the episode notes right below. Don't forget to subscribe. It was so good to have you here today. See you next time. Catch you on the flip side. Ciao, ciao.